focused in on one at a time. You know how we get saved? One at a time. You know how new life comes? One spiritual birth at a time. And every soul's precious, and God focuses on one. You know what? He's focused on you today. He knows you. He loves you. He comes to you, and he's talking to you. And he's saying, please, please, hear my voice. I want to save you. I want to give you eternal life. In chapter 8, there's the woman caught in adultery. One person. In chapter 9, there's the man born blind. One person. This is Jesus, and he comes one by one. You know why? Because he's a personal God, and he wants a personal, intimate relationship with you, one at a time. If you think that you're lost in the crowd, that Jesus, that, that God pays you no attention because you, you consider yourself the lost and the least, listen, everybody is precious to God. Jesus loves us, every single one. And it's a personal encounter. Jesus comes and he talks to this woman one on one. Now, what does he say? It says in verse 4, he came to the town in Samaria. It's verse 5. He came to the town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. I'm too tired to witness. You know what? It's too much bother. Um, too, Too many things on my schedule. I can't stop and talk to this person or that person about Jesus. Too tired. Too pressed. Jesus was tired. You know what? But what was in his heart? Evangelizing. And then it says, when a Samaritan woman, verse 7, came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Now this is very disarming. Because whenever I hear about how to witness for Jesus Christ, I talk about, or or. I have talked about this, and others have told me this. You've got to show love first. Lead with love. Lead with love. And you know what? That's a good idea, because God is a lover, and he wants us to display his love to the world. And so the, 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 the mission to Chile is really a mission to help the people in Chile, to help Operation Mobilization. They go to fill a need. They go to show love and care. But that's not the only way to witness. When it comes to witnessing, it's also very effective to be in need. It's very effective. And Jesus was in need. And he didn't sat, sit by the well, and when the woman came, he said, I can help you. You know, what he said? you know what he said? Please help me. Please help me. Many years ago, when we first got a, a home in the area, uh, I didn't know much about, about how to fix things, and I had a plumbing problem. And I knew my next-door neighbor was a plumber. And so, in my conversations with him, I said, uh, yeah, I got a problem. I got a problem with our toilet. 
Men, do you know about the problems with the toilet? <laughs> Some of us are challenged in that way. And uh, can't fix it. It seems to be running on, and I've got the parts, but nothing's working. And he said, Jim, I can help you. Music to my ears. So he came over, and he started helping me. And while he was helping me, I was helping him because I was sharing the gospel with him. And we struck up a great friendship, and we often had opportunity to share the gospel. And then he moved away before I found out what ultimately happened with that guy. But you know what? In that encounter, through my neediness, I was able to share the Lord, and, and he, I trust, was blessed by it, and perhaps we're going to see him in glory. Will you give me a drink? It's so disarming, you see, to take the lower place and say, I need you, I need your help. And that's what the woman responded to. The next thing is this. The gospel presentation was related to the need of the moment, and the need of the moment was thirst. Now, Jesus often used common things as spiritual illustrations. There's tons of spiritual illustrations all over the place. Jesus often used illustration. He talked about the light of the day, and and he talked about the darkness, and he talked about the the seed that is sown in the fields, and he talked about the birds, and, and he talked about all these things as common illustrations of the day. There's plenty of things to illustrate Jesus, plenty of things to illustrate the gospel, and they form bridges of understanding to people. The gospel is not a complicated thing. It's the, author of, it's the offer of life to those people who are dead. It's the offer of forgiveness to people who need to be forgiven. And a true and loving God is just wanting us to make it simple. And so you start thinking about examples, just like Jesus took up the example of thirst. And he said, I have living water. What a great line. I have living water. And this immediately perked the attention of the woman because she had spent many days coming to that well out of the town, coming there every day to draw water, bringing it back, the full load on her head or, or, or carried in her hands. It was tough work to get water in those days. And Jesus said, I get, I'm going to give you living water. Ask God for wisdom so that you will find bridges to be able to communicate truth to people who need it. From the familiar to the unfamiliar. From the common example to the spiritual truth. That's what Jesus was doing as he preached his gospel. The next thing is this. He avoided arguments, which could have led down a rabbit trail and caused division. He knew what he, his purpose was. His purpose was in, to introduce that woman to the Savior. And so, if there were arguments, if there was anything that could cause a, a, a deviation from, from his purpose, he just kind of worked his way around it. You say, in what way? Well, it's first, first of all, when Jesus asked the woman for a drink, the woman said, now listen, you shouldn't be asking me for a drink because you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan and uh, uh, we don't, uh, we're not on talking terms and you shouldn't even be asking. I suspect there's a lot of Canadians today. If you talk to them about the gospel, you know what they would say? You shouldn't be asking those things. We don't talk about these things in public. Don't let that put you off. Just 
Just be gracious. You see? Because you have a purpose and you know what you're doing. And so Jesus did not even respond to that. He didn't even, he didn't even take that one up about the difference between the Jew and the Samaritan. He was not offended. He just answered softly. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked and he would have given you living water. He just kept on going. But then again, she responded with a comment that could have sparked a divisive argument. She said, sir, you've got nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And are you greater, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and he drank from it? And as did also his sons and his flocks and herds. Oh, what Jesus could have said here. He could have said, before Jacob was, I am. Jesus at that point could have said, now listen, don't even compare me with Jacob. Jacob is just a man. The son of God is with you. But he didn't take that tack, you see. It wasn't, wasn't the right time. And so he avoided the argument. Lastly, when Jesus exposed her as having had five husbands and presently living with a man who was not her husband, she answered evasively, I can see you're a prophet. Now, here's the problem, prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And the mountain was right there with the altars offered to the idols, right there, Gerizim. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Well, that's a big conflict. She's pointing out the difference between their beliefs. And Jesus answered so nicely. He said, yes, it's truth. God has told us to worship in Jerusalem. But I tell you, woman, that a time is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. It doesn't matter anymore. It's not going to matter anymore whether you worship in Samaria or in Jerusalem What matters is having the Spirit of God in your heart and worshiping the Lord wherever you are. Now, that's diplomacy. It's truth, but it's diplomacy. Jesus said, woman, you can worship God right in your heart. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. I'm not talking to you so that you join up with the group who's going to Jerusalem to worship. I want you to worship God in your heart, in spirit, and in truth. And this is the great truth that Jesus brings. We can talk to the Lord wherever we are. We can worship him wherever we are. We can serve him wherever we are because God is everywhere and God wants to be, he wants to be in us. What a wonderful response he gave to the woman. So the question of, well, are you, are you going to worship in Jerusalem? Or are you going to worship in Samaria? was just off the table because he says, well, I've got something better. You can worship the Lord anywhere. It's the spirit. And in truth, O oh Lord, give us the wisdom to steer clear of contentious issues and get to the heart of the issue, which is the gospel. Don't get carried away. You know, somebody comes along and says, yeah, but I believe in evolution. Well, don't let it phase you. You may not know all the arguments about evolution or not evolution or creationism. You may not. You don't have to. Because, you see, the essence of the gospel is not whether you believe in evolution or not. It's whether you believe in Jesus or not. So don't let those arguments put you off. You just keep bringing it back to Jesus. Oh, but what do you think about Jesus? 
what do you think about Jesus? And you bring it back to him. Then the next thing is he, Jesus knew her sin, but he didn't despise her. He knew that she had been a profligate woman, that she had affairs, that she was in and out of marriages, and the man she was living with now was not even her husband. But he didn't put her down for it. He just said, go call your husband. She said, I have no husband. Jesus already knew that. And you know, in many ways, that's the same as we are. We, we know that whoever we're talking to about the gospel is a sinner. They're a sinner. And we are too. We are too. Do not despise people when you're seeking to reach them with the gospel. See them as equals. Now, we're equals in two ways. Everybody is an equal in two ways, spiritually. We're an equal because we've all got our sins. I was talking to a man recently who considered himself quite sinless because he had been abused when he was younger as a boy, and he said, now there are the sinners. Me, compared to them, I'm not a sinner. And the truth had to come to him. Well, you're just as bad as the people who wronged you. When you look at God, we're all equals when it comes to the issue of sin and our failure to meet God's righteous demands. We're equals in sin. But we're also equals in being loved by God. The second thing that makes everybody equal is this. God loves us all. God cares for us all. Every single life is precious. Every single person is loved by God and valued highly. Your soul is precious to God. So Jesus came with this attitude. He just counted her precious. He counted her precious. And his view of her, whether she was deep in sin or not, his view of her was this, I'm going to love on her because God loves her. And that's exactly how we need to be in ministry. Some of us are involved in, per, in prison ministry here. And I know that several go to the prisons. And you know, I, I, if you ask them, what is your attitude? And they said, well, those people, they're the riffraff, but we gotta go and throw them a, throw them a bone. We gotta be, try to be nice to them. They would never get anywhere. And would they get anywhere? They would never get anywhere. Never get anywhere. No, you got to see them as equals. You see? We're all in the prison. We're all caught in sin. And we all need to be liberated by Jesus Christ. And some people have well said that this uh, idea of, of evangelizing, it's just like one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. That's what it is. You can find food over here. I know you have a need. You can find food here. Because I've, I went in my need and I found food there. You can find it too. That's the attitude that wins. That's the attitude of a soul winner. Lastly, he pointed to the answer. And the answer is himself. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Chapter 4, verse 26. We need to point clearly to the answer. His name is Jesus. Evangelism is not completed until we get to the name of Jesus. Evangelism is not just doing good works for Jesus' sake and letting it be. There are many, many wonderful atheistic humanists and altruists who do great works in the world. 
no name of Jesus. And if Christians, if Christians just say, well, I'm just going to do nice things and be nice to my neighbors and be nice to my family, and I'm not going to speak of Jesus, you have missed the point. You've missed the point. It's about the boy at the basketball game wearing the name of Jesus. It's, it's in that name that we're saved. The good works of believers does, does not save one single person. It is the name of Jesus that saves. So have the courage to mention the name of Jesus. That's what Jesus did. He pointed to himself. We point clearly to Jesus. Something like this. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. He's my Savior and Lord. And the invitation is open for you as well. Helping your neighbor, being kind, courteous. It's great to demonstrate your loving concern. That's a wonderful thing that opens doors. But make sure you connect your acts of love with the Savior's name. Now, what was the result? Well, the woman was so excited about the living water, she left her water pot there, she ran into the village of Sychar, she let it be known to anyone and everyone that she'd found this wonderful Messiah, and he was the one who was was the promised Messiah, and they, they started streaming out of the village to meet Jesus. Meantime, the disciples had come back to Jesus and, and they said, well, we've, we got the water, we got the food, we got the food from the town. And uh, Jesus said, well, I don't need that food right now because I have food to eat that you don't even know about. I'm so filled with the, with the, the joy of seeing people come to Christ. I'll tell you, the joy is, 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 is wonderful. Have you ever seen somebody come to Christ? The, the joy is, it knows no bounds. Knows no bounds. It's wonderful. And then Jesus said to them, listen guys, open your eyes and look on the fields for they are ripe for harvest. Now there might have been fields around that well. There there no doubt were fields of grain that were ripe for harvest. But Jesus wasn't seeing the grain field. He was seeing the people streaming out out of the town coming to him. That's the harvest that's come. It's a harvest of souls. Do you want to be part of that harvest? harvest of souls for heaven. This is the purpose that God has saved us for. We're saved to tell others of Jesus Christ. We're saved to share the good news. We're saved to give the living water. We're saved to offer the life-saving bread. Remember the three steps. Purpose. Commit it to God. Lord, I will do this today. I'm going to start doing this today. Number two, have a plan. Start with your loved ones, but don't forget the Samaritans. Number three, pray for the power. Lord, I can do nothing without your power. Would you open their hearts, and would you give me the courage to speak the words of God? I'm going to do this for you, Lord. I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to be part of the harvest. As the music team comes, let's just bow our our heads. I've already suggested a prayer But in your own heart right now, would you consider making a purpose statement to God, a vow, and say, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go after souls for Jesus. I'm gonna seek to talk to Jesus, uh, to, to the Lord. I'm gonna seek to talk to the Lord about their lost souls, and I'm gonna talk to lost souls about the Lord. And I pray that each and every one of us might call on the power of the Lord to do this, because you are worthy, Lord, of being 
served. You're worthy of being followed. This is what you did when you were here on earth. Help us to do it well as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.